Thanks for your time, Kai. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Typical Swish. This is episode eight on the Typical Twist Podcast Network. Uh, today, I am joined by a special guest that I've been looking forward to having on the show for a long time. Uh, how are you doing today, Mr. Jason Unger? I'm doing good, my man. I have to say, eight episodes. It took you eight episodes to have your old man on the show. Wow. Special shout out to Tony for providing some extra microphones for our podcasters to have guests on like this. Uh, thanks to him, we're able to make this happen. Yeah, I, the, I mean, this whole, the whole technology and, you know, how all of this works is, is pretty fascinating. I mean, we had a long conversation this morning because I was trying to figure out, okay, we're going to have a conversation in two different places and I have a microphone that's recording everything that I say, but how are you going to piece it all together? And you kind of walk me through it. And it, it's pretty cool to be able to do this, you know, in two separate locations. Yeah. No, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. And that's kind of a cool transition into something else I wanted to mention. This is not your first time. Well, this is your first time on a podcast, but this is not your first time in front of a microphone. Because if I'm not mistaken, right. you used to do some stuff for uh, Husker Radio. Was that what it was called? Or you want to get into that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how I got started uh, at the university uh, in Lincoln. I was a broadcasting major, you know, and I got to do, uh, I got to host radio, uh, host a, a radio program. I got to do some television stuff. We got to, uh, do play-by-play for the Husker games, uh, football and basketball. So that was a great introduction for me into the world of broadcasting. And then, you know, from there, my first two jobs were at radio stations. So, you know, I got a chance to do more sports there. I got a chance to do news. And then, of course, you know, cover high school sports teams by doing their, you know, calling their mm-hmm. games and doing play-by-play for everything from football to basketball to volleyball to all of that stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of how, you know, I got started with the uh, with with the whole broadcasting uh, side of things. And then I jumped from radio uh, straight into print uh, when I started, you know, at the Wahoo newspaper and started uh, uh, covering high school sports in a little bit uh, different format, which, you know, is, is, is in the newspaper business. And, you know, I had never, never done anything like that before. And here I am, you know, 20, let's see, 22 years later, you know, I still, I still am working in the newspaper business. Mm -hmm. So it's been good. I mean, it's something that I love to do. uh, And I get to follow uh, and watch sports and, uh, so yeah, I mean, I enjoy it for sure. Mm-hmm. You covered some pretty special athletes over the years, actually. You've seen a lot of great yeah. talent go through uh, the town of Wahoo, and now you're yeah. kind of you write for the Douglas County Post Gazette. Now this is your first year there, so yeah. you cover some bigger schools yep. now. So what's the biggest uh, difference when it comes in basketball specifically, uh, boys and girls? The talent difference is it more fun to cover these bigger schools, or is it more personal with those? with those smaller teams and those smaller schools? 
Yeah, I mean, it's different. I mean, you, you bring up a good point. I mean, the smaller schools, you're maybe able to develop uh, some closer relationships uh, with the players and with the coaches. Uh, now, uh, where I am now, we know we cover all the Elkhorn schools, Omaha Scott, uh, Bennington. I mean, some, some really big schools here uh, in the Douglas County area. And, uh, you know, it's not quite as easy to develop those super close relationships like I did, you know, when I was at the Wahoo newspaper for all of those years. But the talent level uh, is is something, you know, that has really been eye-opening for me because, you know, at the Wahoo newspaper, we covered, you know, schools, you know, super small schools like Meade and UTAN. I mean, teams that, you know, compete in class D and here, you know, the smallest school I cover, you know, is, is a class B school. So I have, I have a funny story to tell in, in my first game that I covered uh, for the for the Post Gazette was over the summer because I'm coming up on almost a year now. I think I started on July 5th of last year, so it's almost been a year. And my first assignment was to cover a Legion baseball game between uh, Scott and Creighton Prep. And Creighton Prep was throwing a guy who you know is playing Division One. He's gonna pitch in a Division One school, and Scott was throwing a guy who was gonna uh, pitch at South Dakota. And I was watching him, and I'm like, "Wow, this is <laughs> this is a different level of baseball." And then you just look across across the diamond, and the the, the athletes just look different. I mean, they're just bigger, they're faster. I mean, it, it's hard to explain, but it just it, you know it just looks different when it's on that level. And, and in basketball, basketball, you know, is is, is uh, another sport where when you're watching a class A game, you know, between, uh, you know, say uh, uh, Creighton Prep or, you know, when you're watching um, Millard, you know, the Millard North, you know, I have obviously had some really good players, a kid who's going to Creighton next year. I mean, wow, you know you think these guys are going to play D1, you know, college basketball and, you know, who knows, I mean, maybe go on to play, you know, get a shot in the NBA, you know? So yeah, it's been great. I mean, it's, it's fun watching really good athletes play at a high level for sure. Mm -hmm. And speaking of a high level of play today is the first of the month and the finals start tomorrow, if I'm correct. Yeah. And this will be coming out the day of game one. So today we're going to kind of get into, well, before we get into the specific matchups and player analysis and our final predictions for the series, I had a couple notes that I'd like to talk about with you. I'd like have a couple questions for you, a little trivia for you as well. Uh, so the first thing I'd like to mention is some of the discourse going on around uh, the fact that Kyrie and KD both left their former teams to join up in Brooklyn. And now their former teams are in the finals today in 2022 when they both made their respective decisions to leave their team. That was in 2020, I believe, when they teamed up in Brooklyn. Yeah. And a lot of people have been criticizing both of them for that. But those are the same people that criticized KD for going to Golden State in the first place. So what, what are your thoughts on that and the whole situation of 
those two teaming up and getting swept by one of the teams that's in the finals right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, I mean, when, when, when they all got together in Golden State, I mean, and, and with us, you know, being Cleveland fans, uh, when, when all of that was happening, I mean, I remember having conversations with you and we're like, I mean, how is this even fair? for these mm-hmm. you know for for this team you know to be to be this good and um i i don't i'm not surprised i mean kd's been getting a lot of questions here over the last couple days you know why would you leave that situation you know you could have you know two two more championships but i mean he kind of marches to the beat of his own drum man and he's gonna mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think he wanted to. Uh, I think he wanted to get away and and kind of prove that, you know, he could uh, he could win with a different different group of guys. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know. And, and Kyrie, of course, I know he's your guy, great player. But you know, he's another he's another one. You know, who's who's enigmatic. And you know, sometimes you know everyone talks about how difficult. Uh, he he is to deal with but honestly I think him and KD in Brooklyn I mean I I, I think it's gonna work I mean yeah people have... are talking like it's it's a failed plan already like it's oh like it's run its course like they won't be playing with each other for another good three to four seasons yeah I, I'm not buying that I, I'm really not I mean I I think I think they're gonna get that figured out there um, they had a lot of things I mean <laughs> When you look to see and, and go through everything that they had to work through this year, I mean, with Kyrie not being able to play uh, home games, and then you got Ben Simmons, you make the big trade for him, and he can't play because he's not ready to go. I mean, you get, I mean, if you get into next year and maybe they bring in one more piece or another key piece. And then you have all three of those guys, including Simmons, you know, hopefully he can get healthy and yeah. and be good to go. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a pretty formidable team. I mean, let's exactly. not, <laughs> let's pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, I'd like to see all those guys together to kind of see how it works and give them a chance to kind of, to kind of see how, how that experiment's going to go for sure. I agree. Yeah. They just need a off season together and a full regular season together to really put it put things together i think they deserve a whole episode in the future in the off season i think maybe we can do one of those there's yeah never any there's always something to talk about with that team regardless if it's in season out of season after they get eliminated but yeah there's a lot of intriguing things they can do in the off season when it comes to trades Uh, they have a couple trade exceptions and they do have oh i think they deferred that philadelphia pick they got in the Harden trade so I don't think they'll be drafting this year unless they I don't think they have their pick I think it's in Houston but enough of the Nets let's talk about this matchup a little bit so yeah the stat that kind of jumps out at me when I started initially doing a little research on the previous matchups now the thing is which kind of crazy is the fact that Boston and Golden State only play each other twice a year right and They've always only played each other twice a year, so there's only a handful of games that you can really look at. But their teams, the core of their team has essentially been the same throughout the, mm-hmm. the past about five seasons. But throughout right. 
uh, Steph's career, he has a 29% field goal shoot, uh, field goal efficiency rating against Marcus Smart. Right. So if there's any player in the NBA that can chase Steph around uh, in the half court and on the break, I think it would be Marcus Smart. I think that's a nice matchup for Boston. I think aside from Drew Holiday, I think Marcus Smart would be my pick if I if I needed a player to guard Steph for 40 minutes a game. Yeah, there's, I mean, all the talk uh, so far early in the week this week when everyone's breaking down the matchups is, you know, Steph really struggles against Marcus Smart. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of, he's kind of his kryptonite, you know, and I'm just like, dude, everybody struggles against Marcus Smart. I mean, he's yeah. the defensive player of the year. I mean, for, for a reason. good reason. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you I mean, know, he, Steph, held, he held Kyrie to three. That game one, Kyrie exploded in that Boston series, but he held Kyrie to a pretty poor efficiency. Uh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like 39% through the other three games. Yeah, Marcus Smart is legit. I remember there was questions. I was kind of not sold on Marcus Smart's actual defensive value a couple years ago. And that was when they kind of were struggling, uh, never being able to fully make it out of the East. And right. I thought he might have been a little overrated, but he has definitely proven me and everyone that thought that wrong this year. And his impact on defense, he's just a better defender this year than he ever has been. He, it's not like oh. he's always been this good, but he definitely took a jump this year. No question. No question. I think the reason why is because the other four guys have have bought in. I mean, when you take a look at uh, Ime Yudoka, I mean, he comes from uh, the Popovich school, right? I mean, exactly. so <laughs> you, you know those guys are buying in defensively. And I think uh, once Tatum bought in, and, and Jalen Brown's always been a good defender, uh, Al, Hor Al Horford's, you know, mm -hmm. uh, always Al Horford's kind of like the Draymond Green of their defense. Right, right. It has always been very good. And then you get a coach with that mindset and then you you put it all together and yeah it's 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 really worked out for them mm -hmm. yeah and another spin i'd like to put on that take uh of the marcus smart steph curry matchup is actually kind of in the reverse direction and that's marcus smart on offense against steph and you'd have to assume that that's the matchup that the warriors would go to is smart uh, is steph on smart so mm -hmm. I think you would even be, if you're Boston, and if I'm Ime Udoka, I think you'd be kind of remiss if you don't post up Marcus Smart a couple times on Steph to at least just make him work on defense a little bit. Right. Uh, and Smart obviously has the height and weight advantage there. And Smart's a crafty finisher around the basket. So it'd be interesting to see if they do that. And then it's going to be a question of, do the Warriors double team that? Do they start to bring another man? And you know Marcus Smart is an improved playmaker this year as well. He's had several double-digit assist games in these playoffs and throughout the season. Uh, so I think that's something that the, uh, the Boston Celtics should look into this series. Maybe a couple post-ups. Uh, maybe involve Steph in some screens uh, as Marcus Smart uh, as the screener. So those are a couple things yeah. that we got to keep an eye on, I think. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that idea of, of getting uh, Marcus Smart you know, down uh, on the block against him. And then, I mean, if I'm Steve Kerr right now, I'm losing sleep because I, if I'm Boston, I am putting Steph in the screen roll game. I mean, I, I am, I am screening him nonstop to try and get him, you know, matched up against a Jalen Brown or, mm -hmm. you know, a Jason Tatum. I mean, because let's face, I mean, Steph's, I mean, 
he's the greatest shooter of all time, but defensively, I mean, I think you can kind of take advantage of him. And like you said, if Oh if yeah, we've get, seen that it, over the years yeah, with those Cavaliers yeah, I mean, teams, they do that. I mean, put him in the ball screen action and try and get him switched, you know, on on Brown mm. or Tatum, like I said, that that that's a nightmare scenario for for Kerr and the uh, and the Warriors. Fortunately for them, they have enough good defenders around him, you know, that they can kind of make up make up for that but yeah if i'm boston I, i'm i'm definitely looking to take advantage of that mm-hmm. matchup for sure and we've seen we've seen the warriors uh specifically in this their last series they weren't afraid to go to that zone defense as well Be, when uh luca and the mavericks and jason kidd were attacking jordan Poole mm-hmm. as well as steph curry and those screen and roll actions with luca i mean steph has a tough time guarding in the screen and roll but then when you put him up against luca and a uh, a big man that can shoot. Uh, you do definitely got to be able to switch to that zone. But the cool thing about the Warriors is they're able to go to, from playing a zone one possession, rebound the ball, have go through an offensive set that probably will take twenty four seconds because they move the ball around for so long, and then come back and get into a whole other set on defense. And I think right. that's a tribute to Steve Kerr, Mike Brown, and Draymond Green. And yep. I think that's going to be interesting to see how they play that. That's I'm really excited for to watch that game tomorrow and see what what's because some of the things that i've heard people talk about and some of the things that we'll talk about today might be irrelevant and that's the beauty of these pre-series predictions and discussions so right the next thing i'd like to talk about is the respective paths for both of these teams in the playoffs they both had a very different route to the finals uh starting with the warriors there's kind of an interesting theme with the teams they've played in the playoffs thus far. In round one, uh, in six games, they won that against the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies are maybe the exception out of the three teams they've played so far because it's a really good role players and team offense and defense surrounded by a superstar, and that's John Morant. And that's kind of the theme with the other teams as well when you look at – or excuse me, that wasn't in the first round. I, I said first round. That was the second-round series. But in the first round when they uh, beat the Nuggets, that's another team that basically had, well, the MVP of the league surrounded by uh, a supporting cast that they were injured, so they weren't fully healthy and all there with their other stars in Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. But that's the theme. Luka and role players, Jokic and role players, Morant and role players, kind of like that. So they've only had to really focus on taking one player out of the offense, and that's what they did to Jokic. They made other people beat them, even though he obviously averaged 30 and 10, but it's it's just not enough when he's the only player producing like that. And we saw that with Luka, just run out of gas. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that and uh, some of the teams that they've played and what that means going into the finals? Yeah, I remember talking with you before each one of those series, I think, and you you were spot on every time. I mean, you said, okay, Denver, yeah, yeah, they have uh, Jokic, but they're so banged up and missing so many guys that occur. I mean, they'll figure out a way, you know, to get past them. Even, like you said, if he gets, you know, his 30 and 10, which, you know, is exactly exactly what they did and then you know everybody's uh favorite pick you know jaw he was 
everyone was you know he was the trend the the, the grizzlies were the trendy pick and you know they're mm-hmm. they're gonna get it done and i remember talking to you and we both said you know what they're not it almost ready. just seems foolish looking back at it now and we both said that yeah yeah i mean we we both knew they weren't ready i mean they're gonna are they gonna be a great team in the future of course i mean when when you have Jackson and, and Bain and, and Ja and, and players like that, of course, they're going to they're gonna have their time. But when you're facing the experience of, of the Golden State Warriors and, and Coach Kerr, I mean, you knew eventually that that was going to, uh, going to take over. And then when, when Ja got hurt, you know, then you could, you could turn the lights out, you know, on that one for sure. And then uh, Luke is a great player. I mean, obviously a top I have to put him in the top three right now, I think, in the yeah, NBA. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and, uh, but again, like you said, he just, I mean, you just don't have enough around him to uh, to really scare, you know, Golden State. I mean, mm. so, yeah, their path to the finals, I would say, was uh, was fairly fairly easy compared to years past, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's I would have to agree with that. And looking at the Boston Celtics side of things and their path, it was a lot different. So, oh man! In round one, you're you sweep Brooklyn, and that's not an easy sweep. All those games were close uh, with yeah. KD and Kyrie giving you is. I mean, they played as well as they they didn't. I mean, KD and Kyrie struggled, but that's a tribute to Boston's defense. That was and a long remember, four game. That was a long sweep. That's a series felt long. Correct. Correct. And and remember, even though the Nets were the eighth seed, a lot of people were picking them to win that series. I mean, they, I, they were the seventh seed this year. Or the seventh seed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, they were the seventh seed. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, they were the seven, odds-on favorite to win the title. Yeah. Right. So right. I mean, you they went into the playoffs as the favorite, and mm-hmm. yeah, and then then you go in there. And you sweep them out, you know, and then and then who do you get? You know, you get, you the, get the reigning def- champions. <laughs> yeah, and I remember talking to you. I it was ah, man, I think it was. Uh, it must have been over the weekend because I was getting ready to mow, and we were talking, and you told me you're like Boston's going to beat them. I, I they're, they're gonna they're they're gonna be able to win that series, and 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 you really got me thinking about it, and I'm like. I think you're right. Just because of what we saw from them defensively against the Nets, I, I think we were both convinced that they're going to find a way to to beat the Bucks. And they did. They they came back uh, from that three two deficit and won right. on the road in Milwaukee. Yeah, I or mean, no, I'm win... sorry that was that was in Boston in Game Seven. Right, but but n- nevertheless, you have to win Game Six and Seven against the defending champions in Giannis, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the best, the best player on the planet right now. So yeah, I mean, that, that was a grind. And then you gotta, then you gotta take on the number one seed heat and, you know, beat them in a game seven at their place. So mm-hmm. much, much more difficult path for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And total games played when you look at this, uh, Brooklyn, or excuse me, Boston has played 11 games so far in the in the playoffs. Or excuse me, not 11 games. That would 18. be 18 games. Sorry. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I was just looking at one of the boxes here. 
And then you right. look at the Warriors, first round series, 4-1, second round series, uh, six-game series, uh, and then last round was a 4-1. So they've had to play a lot less games. It's been a lot less of a grind, and they're the healthier right. team coming into this series. So right. I think that's a pretty good transition into the specific matchups uh, of the series and some yeah. some analysis but, of yeah, and the maybe team's before yeah, and maybe before we even get into that, I remember talking. We talked Sunday after Boston, you know, hung on to beat Miami on the road, and you're like, "It's too bad they just don't give the teams a week." Like after mm-hmm. what, what whatever conference finishes their final game, like you brought up a great point and said, just to make sure everybody is good to go and as healthy as you possibly can be, you know, in the middle of the yeah, summer when it exactly, comes to the NBA nothing, playoffs. No, nothing turns viewership, nothing turns viewers off more than teams that aren't yeah. fully healthy when their favorite players can't play. I mean, right. I, I struggle with that. I don't want to watch... I don't want to watch half the Boston Celtics take on the Warriors. I mean, that just doesn't sound appealing to me as a basketball fan. No, I agree. I agree. So when you brought that up and said, you know, they should just take a full week, I'm like, yeah, that, that's a pretty good idea. That's a pretty good idea. We should maybe uh, uh, commission uh, Silver on that and send him a uh, send him a suggestion. If they have a suggestion box, maybe we could do that. But, yeah, I think Adam Silver should definitely look into that, like you said. Uh, when it comes to player health, I think, like I said earlier, I think the Warriors are the more healthy team. Uh, and that brings us into the point guard matchup that we already kind of talked about, but Marcus Smart has been dealing with several injuries in the playoffs, actually. Dislocated his shoulder in, that was round two, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I think that was in the uh, Buck series. And he also has a couple lower body injuries uh, with the ankle. And some, he has some uh, knee history in the past as well. So if they don't have him to chase around Steph Curry on the perimeter, I mean, it takes a lot of energy to stay with Steph for 40 minutes. You know what I mean? Because he's always moving without the ball. He either has the ball and he's moving with the ball or he's moving off the ball. He's I'm pretty sure he runs the most distance in the NBA when it comes no uh, to half-court offense. Yeah, the Warriors lead the league and scoring off cuts and ball screens. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, the they're, a tot- yeah, they're a totally different animal when it comes to having to guard them uh, in the half court because they're constantly moving and constantly making it stressful for all five defenders. But, yeah, if, if, if Smart was out of the equation, say he was hurt and wasn't playing, that would completely change my mm-hmm. thought on how this series was going to go because he because then so... you, you then you probably put Jalen Brown on him and then right. you got to worry about who's guarding Poole, who's guarding Clay Thompson off the ball and right. Marcus Smart just oh because he can Marcus Smart realistically can guard one through four and even some fives uh, we right. saw him against Bam Adebayo in the post a lot and I mean he he can hold his own in there yeah yeah and that and and him guarding Steph if if Kerr puts him into the ball screen action. Uh, he can switch. I mean, he can switch. They'll they'll just switch. I mean, if Clay mm-hmm. screens him or if there's going to be a lot of off ball switching when it comes to yeah. the Celtics defense. Oh, no question, no mm-hmm. question. So to finish up this matchup, since we've already kind of talked about them earlier, what's one key stat that you need to see in this matchup? What's one stat that is going to determine who wins who uh, who wins this matchup? 
I know Steph is obviously the better player, but when it comes to if this team wants to win, this player needs to do this. What do you think? I think it comes down to, I mean, you know what you're going to get defensively from Smart. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to he's gonna be that guy that's going to, you know, be that lockdown guy. The question is, will he be able to chase Steph around for 40 minutes and still give you the 15.5 points he's averaging in the playoffs? Point. That's going to be the key because... Sometimes when I when Boston struggles, I mean, you would think, oh man, they have plenty of scoring. I mean, you got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I mean, they can they mm-hmm. can fill it up. But without Marcus going off, you know, for those games where he has twenty six or twenty twenty eight, I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty important. And is he going to be able to do that? Having to put forth the defensive effort, he's going to have to put great forth. Point. To, to guard Steph. I don't know. That That's going to be the key, I think, in that matchup. Mm-hmm. I think it's almost kind of a guarantee to assume that Marcus Smart's offensive production is going to take a little dip in this series. And, that, I mean, yeah. that's not going to be the end of the world for the Celtics because, obviously, what he's providing on defense justifies that. Right. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that wraps up the point guard matchup. Moving on to the shooting guard matchup. And this is assuming that the Warriors run the starting lineup that they – uh, have right. kind of been going to lately, which is Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Kevon Looney at center. Yeah, with Poole uh, so assuming off the that's bench. yeah, pool off the bench exactly, uh, which I think is a perfect role for him, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But looking at the shooting guard matchup, it's Clay Thompson versus Jalen Brown. But I have a feeling that Jalen Brown won't be guarding Clay Thompson. I think they'll probably match him up against Andrew Wiggins. And maybe right. have Jason Tatum play against Klay uh, Thompson because that'll allow Jason Tatum to switch those double screens down at the block. He can switch onto a player like Wiggins or uh, all, he, uh, Jason Tatum can also guard Steph. So when he gets tangled up in those screens, you have Jason Tatum that's going to be the switch defender on a Klay Thompson floppy action or something out on the wing. So I right. think that'll be the matchup. But obviously Jalen and Clay Thompson will be matched up a lot in this series just from just how basketball works. But what are you looking for in this matchup? I, I love this matchup and and I didn't even I, I didn't even think about what you just mentioned about switching Tatum on to Thompson, but it makes a lot of sense. But the I love this matchup because I look at these two guys and people are gonna think I'm crazy, but I, I almost see mirror images. Uh I mean they're similar in size. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm talking Clay and uh, Jalen. I think they're both six seven, aren't they? Right, both similar in size. Uh, they they both. I, Clay's obviously a better shooter, but Jalen Brown. I mean, he's shooting thirty nine percent from three in the playoffs. So I mean, Clay's shooting forty. So I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I think Jalen Brown's a better perimeter shooter than Clay Thompson, but. I think the difference between the two might be a little bit exaggerated because Mm -hmm. I I think Jalen can fill it up. And I mean, he's scoring 23 points a game in the playoffs, shooting 39% from three, almost 50% from the field. Yeah, he's been huge for them. Yeah, I love that matchup. And and I I think uh, Jalen Brown's an underrated defender. I mean, I I think he's a really good defender. And I I know Clay 
you know, uh, is the all-time 3D guy. I mean, if you come up with a 3D guy, mm-hmm. his picture's in the dictionary. But his defensive you know, production is definitely is definitely not what it used it's to be. Not, it's not. It's not the injury, same. But he still yeah, he still plays hard defense, and he's still a big guy. Like you said, at the two guard, he's six seven, yeah. strong, right. a lot of experience. Right. Played a lot of playoff defense, which is really valuable. Very valuable. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I love this matchup. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch for sure. And then that takes us into the uh, Tatum and Wiggins matchup. Yeah, and, and that's uh, actually the matchup I'm most excited for because watching Wiggins play defense against Luca was really exciting, actually, because this year especially defense has made a comeback just in general this season. And I think a lot of more a lot more players are realizing that you have to buy in on the defensive side of the basketball. The two best defensive teams in the league are in the finals right now. Right, right, no question. And I to see how far Wiggins has come defensively. I mean, I don't even think I don't even think he thought about playing defense for the Timberwolves. I mean, he was all... Not a lot of people on the Timberwolves thought about playing defense. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, but he obviously was capable. I mean, he's he's a fantastic athlete. I mean, there's no denying that. But he has, you know, again, and that's being around Draymond, and that's being around Klay Thompson and, and Steve Kerr. I mean, you just... They just bring that out of you, and he has... I mean, he was an all-star, and I mean, for a good reason, and, and he's arguably even improved the second half of the season and into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. No, definitely, and here's an interesting stat about Wiggins this year in the playoffs, actually. Did you know that he is tied with teammate Kevon Looney uh, for the most offensive rebounds in the postseason so far? Yeah, I would never have guessed that. Yeah, and that's because a lot of teams so far in these series like to stick their small point guard on him in the corner because obviously that's not he, they're not going to use him to guard. There's guys like Jalen Brunson get put on him in the corner. Guys like, um, who am I thinking of? Just smaller guards in general, they try to get away with putting right. them on him. And Steve, Car- Steve Kerr is a smart enough coach to recognize that and say, hey, look, you're going to have a 6'2 guy boxing you out. You have a 45-inch right. vertical at six at six eight there's no reason you shouldn't be crashing the boards and he understood the assignment and 42 offensive rebounds in the playoffs throughout what uh six let's see 16 games 16 games that's impressive yeah that's a lot i mean that's a lot of offensive rebounds and he's he's gonna have his work cut out because uh you know he's going to be going up against arguably the the most ascending talent in in the game today. So I mean that that's going to be another fascinating matchup. And before we get into the uh, into the Horford Draymond uh, conversation, I think the Celtics. When you when you look at the three matchups that we just talked about, I have to give the edge to the Celtics because uh, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum can switch and mm-hmm. they can guard they, they can guard any of those three guys and Thompson and Wiggins can do that Steph I'm not he can't so when you're talking about the the three positions that we've broken down I have to give Boston at least a defensive edge there because all three of those guys can guard multiple positions where mm-hmm. as Steph Steph I'm not sold that he can 
Yeah, definitely. That's that's really that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh, Steph, we talk we're talking about Steph like he's a liability on defense, which sometimes he is, but he get he plays hard defense. It's mostly just because of the size disadvantage yeah, and athleticism. He's just not, yeah, he's just not not tall enough for sure. Mm-hmm. But he's also gotten better on that side of the ball over the years, and he knows he knows what reads to make defensively. Draymond, yeah, and him he's have a good smart, chemistry on defense. He's a smart guy, so whatever. But he's not whatever, smart. No, he's not. And but he's a smart enough guy to where he can. The, the, his intelligence makes up for any lack of, you know, physical uh, capability that he may have being able to play defense. Mm-hmm. It makes up for that. And that's just a testament to the Celtics team construction. I mean, all five of their starters received a all defensive vote this year, right. uh, which I don't know if that's ever happened before. Do you know if that's happened before? I, I've never seen that before. I, right. I think that that has to be a first for sure. Mm hmm. So, so you what do you wanted... think? What What do you think about Horford, Draymond? Um, <clears throat> this is an interesting matchup in the sense of will Draymond be able to keep his cool in the NBA Finals this year? Because right. we've seen in Finals before, obviously the Cleveland meltdown where he got ejected and cost them a game in Game Six uh, with his yep. technical fouls. Uh. It's just going to depend on what version of Draymond he, uh, you get. Is he going to be this cool, calm, collected veteran leader on defense, or is he going to lose his cool? And right. uh, something kind of not relevant to this series, uh, there's five active players with more technical fouls than Draymond Green in the NBA right now. Uh, do you Would you be able to – do you think you could name a couple of them? Uh, KD? Nope, KD is not one of them. Here, here's a hint. Over. Here's a hint. Three of them play for the Lakers right now. Oh, okay. Uh, and not not LeBron. No, it's not LeBron. No. No. So I'm thinking it has to be Russell Westbrook. Yep. And it, I mean, it's not AD. I mean, he doesn't get he he. I don't nope. see him getting teed up that many times. Uh, Carmelo. Yep, Melo's got 193 to Draymond's 150. Really? Wow, that that is that is surprising. So Westbrook, Carmelo, and, and this one this one might surprise you a little bit because uh, it was mostly early in his career, but it's Dwight Howard. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I forget about the old man. He's still he's still in the league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So between all three of those guys, they cost the Lakers a lot of points on technical free throws <laughs> this year. Yeah, for sure. And the crazy thing about this matchup is you have Draymond who is on one end of the spectrum and then you got Mr. Professional Al Horford on the other end. I mean, that dude Exactly. He he could not be he is the epitome of a professional. I mean, so you you have two extremely different personalities when it comes to the power forward. And one thing that's interesting in this matchup to me is a lot of times Draymond can find that guy, you know, on the other team where he can kind of play center field and just mm-hmm. kind of help. That's where his he, value really is. It, exactly. But I don't think he can do that with Horford because... Because you can't I leave mean, him at the three-point line. No. And that's why I, mean, I think that... Uh, I think Kavon Looney might be matched up against Al Horford. We'll have to see. It's it's 
it's really up in the air though. True, true, and then you could slide Draymond onto Robert Williams or whoever. I think yeah, you know. and I think Robert Williams will defend Draymond not the entire game, but I think they like Robert Williams uh, not being tied to a, a floor spacer. You know what I mean? Well, actually, yeah. they now that I'm thinking of it, they just put him on Looney and let him play that makes center sense. field. But I can totally, I, I can totally see Kerr matching Draymond up with Williams because then mm-hmm. that will free him up to take charges and help and you know and and hedge it'll be interesting if the warriors it'll be interesting to see if the warriors let the celtics live and die by the grant williams three-point shot you know like uh the Celt the bucks found out the hard way that that's not a way that they could win but it'll be interesting to see what steve kerr thinks about that and how they want yeah. to defend him yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to touch on the benches for the two teams because uh for the seas you basically have Grant Williams, Derek White, and Peyton, Peyton Pritchard. I mean, you kind of throw him in because... I think he's they, a better fit. I think he's more playable in this series than... I agree. Because uh, of the size thing. And he's he's mm-hmm. fast and can get around screens fairly well. And I think he'll be able to keep up with the uh, Boston Celtics offense a little better than... Because, I mean, when you have speed, that's more important when it comes to defending the Warriors in half court and in transition, uh, I agree. not necessarily size all the time. So I think he'll be yeah, more he, playable. But you're yeah, right; I he's agree. not. He'll he'll be a liability on defense, and that he'll be someone that Steve Kerr looks to exploit. Yeah, for sure. And then when you look at the Dubs, you got uh, obviously Jordan Poole, and then you get uh, uh, Peyton back. I mean, I was going to ask you, mm-hmm. you know, how important that's huge for you them. thought. Yeah, I, I agree. I have that circled as a, as a, one of my notes here. I, that's a he's that, leading a the. Big... I think he led the regular season in steals per thirty six minutes. Uh, right. On twenty in twenty minutes, I think he averaged like one point five steals a game, which is really impressive. Right, right. So, so it, his health, I haven't heard much about his status, but from what I've what I have heard is that he's going to be ready. Uh, yeah yeah everything is pointing to him being good to go and then you know you have obviously Otto Porter Jr. who's getting getting some run and he was kind of banged up too but it sounds like and this goes back to your theory on you know wanting to make sure you know that everybody's good to go and wanting to see you know all the best players uh, for each team being able to play in the playoffs the NBA got pretty lucky in this situation to where you had guys like Marcus Smart, uh, Robert Williams, uh, Peyton, Otto Porter. I mean, these guys were kind of banged up throughout mm-hmm. the playoffs. But it sounds like you know everybody's everybody's going to be good to go. Of course, you know when you're in when you get to the championship series. I mean, you kind of gotta gotta put those things aside and just yeah. Try I mean, play. everyone's playing through some kind of injury or right. ailment or one another one or the other. Yeah, no question, no question. But we forgot to go over the Robert Williams Kevon Looney uh, matchup. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think main, people are gonna yeah. overlook this because you know the other matchups are just so so good. The other both, four, both I players mean. have had a similar kind of breakout season. Kevon Looney's breakout coming later, uh, specifically in the playoffs. Right. Uh, both of these players uh, were second round or late first round draft picks and second round. I think Kevon Looney, Kevon Looney was a second rounder. But they both mm-hmm. got drafted by their respective teams, didn't play a whole lot their first couple seasons, but now they've turned into corner or kind of like 
they, both of them erase a lot of mistakes for their teams on defense. And they've right. carved out these specific roles, which makes them so valuable to their specific teams. I mean, you put Kevon Looney on a different team, he might not have the same value. And same thing goes for Robert Williams. But the main thing when it comes to who wins this matchup is going to come down to, is Robert Williams going to have to like barely be able to make it down the floor? Because, I mean, it looked like he could barely run in Game 7 against the Heat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely not. 100 percent and boy when he is he's a dynamic defender yeah i would have voted for him for a defensive player of the year actually yeah no question because he's he's not your typical five who's just going to kind of roam around that uh the the circle area and just kind of guard and just block shots i mean he can move laterally you know, and I can exactly. I can I can say the same about Looney. I mean, he's pretty good laterally too. So I mean, they they not only can yeah, erase he did a great mistakes. job on Luca. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they not only erase mistakes at the rim, but they can get out on the perimeter and actually stay in front of some people. Now, I mean, are they going to stay in front of Jason Tatum and or Steph uh, on a regular basis? No, but they're certainly capable for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, I love watching these teams play defense. And th- that's something I've never in my 12 years of watching the NBA or whatever it's been, maybe more. I've never mm-hmm. sat down to watch a game and look forward to watching defense. Uh, as I mentioned right. earlier, uh, but both, all the players on each team have all bought in on defense. They're all playoff durable or they're all playoff tested and this series is going to be great and it is to, to wrap things up here before we get out of here uh, i'd like to give our predictions on the nba finals and how many games it'll go and maybe a couple other things uh, but first my prediction is uh look i think the celtics are just too injured They've played too many games. I think they might just run out of gas and not be able to keep up with the Warriors. So my pick is Warriors in six, especially because uh, I'm pretty sure Golden State has home court advantage, right? Yes, correct. You're right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of goes into my pick as well when I was thinking about it. Uh, so how about you? What do you think? What do you think about I, that? I, I like that. So I, I, you're, you're saying that... Golden State's going to go to Boston and close things out in Game Six. I I definitely can see that scenario happening, but I also have the series ending in six. But I have Boston winning, winning in six games because I, I just think I just think that they're riding uh, a certain kind of momentum right now. Mm-hmm. Oh no, and, definitely they have a lot and, of momentum. A, a lot of momentum. They've beaten really good teams to get here. I think they have a lot of confidence, and and I'm hoping that they can win it in six because we were talking a little bit before the show, and I, I think if they have to go to Oakland and win uh, a ro- a game seven on the road against the Warriors, I think that's, that's hard to probably do. that's probably then then your your case for them running out of gas i think i think if it gets to that game seven on the road mm-hmm. i think you're going to be right i i really do i just think the energy in that building 
And just the fact, like you said, that they've played so many games already, I think that will yeah. that will get to them. But if they can if they can find a way to get in the position where they've won three games out of the first five and get to Boston, I think the home crowd there will be able to be enough to get them over the mm-hmm. hump. So I have them winning in six. And and I'll say this. Go the whole reason I picked Boston in six is because in game one I just don't see a world where Boston comes out and steals one on the road, especially with the health of Robert Williams, because the Celtics defense with uh, four uh, wing players and Horford at center is good, but it's not the same defense with Robert Williams at center rather than Horford. That gives them a lot more freedom to switch. That protects the paint better. Al Horford's not your rim protector, and it's Robert Williams, who Al Horford is a good rim protector still. But when he can play that in-between game, play in the passing lanes, defend players in the high post and three-point line, that opens up things because Robert Williams erases those mistakes at the rim. So I just don't – because we don't even know if Robert Williams is – is he gonna is he good to go tomorrow? I think he – that they said he's good to go, but it could be one of is those situations. Is he really situations. good to go, though? You know right, what I mean? where he's going to get through warm-ups and you know, they're going to make a final decision after that, I think, is probably what's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, so again, get, getting back to game one specifically. So you get, so you always hear this rest versus rust, right? I mean, you have, yeah. you, you have point. the warrior, you have the warriors, uh, coming in nice and fresh. Everybody's ready to go. They've had, I don't know how many days off now, if it's nine or eight, I think they've however. had eight or I think they had eight days off. Right, eight game. days off. The, the Celtics just to had the Celtics yeah. five or four or five, or four, something like four, that. four or five. So, it's going to be really important for Boston because in that first half, I believe, because the Warriors may have some of that rust, you know, even though they're playing at home, you know, maybe they're not making, you know, quite as many threes. Maybe they're trying to shake off some, some of that rust there in the first half. And maybe Boston will be able to maybe take advantage of that a little bit and and maybe Mm -hmm. build a lead, build a first half lead and then hang on to pull off that, first game upset you know it's just it's it's whatever opinion you have on that whole rest versus rust thing I mean I think I think it could go either way and I've seen and and anytime someone says oh it's better to have rest or oh no I it's better to it's better to uh to have played you know have not had so much rest you know and I I've seen it play out in both ways so many different times it's mm-hmm. hard to predict how that's going to go so yeah it really can go either way especially yeah, no in the doubt. finals it's really hard to gauge because both teams obviously are going to come in locked in it's just going to come down to who has the better game plan in the first game and who's ready to go you know when it comes to injuries yeah no doubt so is there uh, any other points you'd like to make before we get out of here no man i think uh i think we've touched on everything that uh that i've had you know down on my list i'm just uh 24 hours from now we'll be uh we'll be sitting down to get well a little bit more than 24 hours i suppose but yeah just about sitting down and getting ready to uh to watch uh the finals which is you know both of our you know definitely up there as far as our favorite times of the year no exactly doubt yeah this is i'm really excited for this uh nba final it's probably the most excited i've been for a finals 
I mean, maybe even more so than the whole bubble season for the Lakers, even though I was really excited to see LeBron win his right. uh, his fourth ring with his third different team. Uh, that was exciting. But also the momentum of the season was kind of killed with COVID and everything. But I haven't had yeah. this kind of excitement for a series since that 2016 uh, matchup with yeah. the Cavs and Warriors. So, yeah, it's yeah, no doubt. long removed from that series. So. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, performance the Warriors put on uh, eight years later. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great series. Like you said, two great defensive teams, a lot of superstars, two great coaches. And, you know, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. I think also Ime Udoku join a short list of coaches that win a title uh, in their first uh, career uh, head coaching job. Yeah, that was one thing that I wanted to to research and look into uh and i'm not sure if there have been a lot of first year coaches i I, there can't be very many that have won an nba title in the first year you know with tyron tyron lue would be one of them i was gonna throw him out there and maybe a phil jackson i mean he had he's he coached so many championship teams there was a probably a good chance that he won in his first year with the bulls or the lakers or you know, in one of those situations, but I, the list has to be short. Oh no, I'm no saying because Ime Udoka, this is his first year as a head coach, For, though. Okay, I see what you're saying. Mm. I see not not just with a team. You're talking right. About I mean, his he wasn't actual a actual first. Head yeah, this coaching is his first. This is his first head coaching job. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And similar to that, uh, Tyron Lu situation against the Warriors as well. So maybe there's something with the first year head coaches against the Warriors in the finals. Exactly. Yeah. No doubt. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, really excited to have you on today. I've been taking a lot of good notes, getting ready for this uh, particular episode. But it was great talking to you about basketball. We kind of do this every day anyway. But <laughs> decided yep. to record it today. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks no for doubt. joining. Yeah, man. Anytime. I'm 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 so proud of you. You know, uh, for what you're doing. You know, with the podcast, and I, I think you do a great job. It's just different. I mean, I listen to a lot of of different uh, talking heads on the NBA, whether it be Stephen A or Colin Cowherd, you know, all the guys, I mean, but I just think, I just love your podcast because you're able to kind of do it in a different way and kind of look at the matchups and kind of break down the game in a different way, like a true basketball fan, you know, would break down the game. And you, you don't get that from, you know, those guys. I mean, you just don't hear that kind of uh, really appreciate analysis. that. So yeah, no, I'm no, that means I'm super proud. Yeah. I'm super proud of you. You're doing a great job. And anytime, uh, I can hop on and, uh, add anything. I, I I'd be, I'd be happy to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. We're going to record a lot more episodes together. You're going to be a frequent guest on the show. That's the plan at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anytime. <clears throat> yeah. But th- I've learned a lot from you when it comes to writing, when it comes to, speaking that kind of brings me into another thing i'd like to mention before i get out of here i think josh and i have talked about maybe getting a website started up here in the summer sometime and i'd start writing some columns and blog posts for that so that's something i'm really excited for to get into the writing aspect of reporting and journalism yeah i mean it all kind of ties together i mean the podcast side of things and then the blog side of things i mean it's just putting it down on paper or just speaking it into a microphone. I mean, it's it's very similar. So yeah, I I think that's a great idea, and I think you'll you'll be just as successful doing that. Awesome, awesome. 
so uh that's a wrap uh thank you guys for listening to this is episode eight i believe thank you for listening again thank you to my dad jason unger for hopping on the show uh we'll catch you guys in the next one hopefully after one or two games of the finals we can uh record another episode and maybe talk about what we've seen I'm a rolly, whole lot of ice, no gully. I'm in a place with no police, so that's your girl, she know me. I'm in a place with the homies, and they all know the drill, and they all in the field. I might put them in my will.